Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside... Connor Balthazar. And today, we're going to be covering what we will describe as a Pyrrhic victory for the Kansas State football team against the Southern Illinois Salukis, a game that we were heavily favored to win and only managed to barely sneak out with a victory. And before we even go into the general game day recap, let's get right into the elephant in the room. The first thing that everyone is going to try and address, and the first thing that everyone who, with any respect, that covers K-State football must address, and that is Skylar Thompson, the starting quarterback, the super senior quarterback, and leader of the K-State football team and the offense, is down for the foreseeable future with an injury. And this was a nightmare scenario for everybody. In the exact moment that it happened, it was a non-contact injury. You could tell everyone in the stadium had this collective moment to where it was this this why Skylar Thompson moment. And... It was truly devastating, not only for the players, not only for the fans, but I think, honestly, the person that was hurt the most by it was head coach Chris Kleiman. And his reaction to it was very telling, and you can tell that he is someone who has a lot of love for Skylar Thompson and has a lot of love for his players. And to the people who, on the forums or anywhere, that was criticizing Chris Kleiman for being emotional that his starting quarterback went down, someone who he's watched this journey with for months upon years now. I don't I don't want to break my streak of swearing, but it may inevitably happen. It's not going to happen here. I want you to truly get over yourselves. Get over yourselves right now. Get over yourselves for having this head coach who clearly loves his players getting emotional when someone who he views almost like his son goes down on the football field. Shame on you. Y'all suck. Truly. That's that's my two cents. Yeah, truly. Y- you basically covered everything I would have said. Like, I I was really surprised when I saw that. At first, like, I, to be clear, this is a really, 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 really small group of people. Fringe take. It's like a less than one-tenth of one percent of the fan base. But... It just really annoyed me when I saw it, because I, I just, it makes no sense to me how you can mentally make the connection between a quarterback getting injured and a coach caring about it, and seeing that as, like, some sort of, like, weakness or something like that. I, I, I don't know, it was just shocking, like, to see anybody have that reaction, unless it was a joke, which... I'm really hoping it was. It was still a terrible joke, and it's not really funny, like, at all. But, I don't know. I, that was just so annoying. Among a night of horrible annoyances, that was among the, the most annoying for me. Yeah. And that's not the first time that I'm going to get heated during this segment. So, Skylar Thompson goes down. The There is speculation from all sides. The reality of the situation is no one knows. No one knows how serious the injury is to Skyler. All we know is that it is a leg injury. And all we know is that he walked back to the locker room on his own 
and was in good enough spirits to congratulate his teammates. It depends on who you ask. Some people will say he's going to be done for the season. Very few people are saying that now, but there are an equal amount of people who are saying anywhere from one to three months. No one knows, no one will know, until we finally get those MRI results. However, the fact that they're doing an MRI at all tells me that they didn't see anything immediately horrible when they were checking him out in the tent. So that's a good sign. But then, then we get to move on to the next man up quarterback behind Skylar Thompson, and that is sophomore, technically, from Downington, Pennsylvania, Will Howard. And let me clarify something right now. Will Howard did not have a good game. There is no way that you can spin Will Howard's stat line or watching Will Howard play and say that he had a good game against Southern Illinois. That being said, the fan base's vitriol, and specifically the student section, the vitriol and hatred directed towards Will Howard was truly disgusting. Will Howard was a 17-year-old kid last year, stepping into his first year at a Division I program, stepping up behind a super senior quarter, a senior quarterback, a redshirt senior quarterback last year. And the fan base treated him horribly last year. I thought it was disgusting then, and it's only gotten worse now. You are actively bullying this kid who is trying to put his heart out and play his heart out for a program that you claim to support and you are actively tearing him down. You disgust me. You disgust me. How dare you call yourself a fan of this program when you're actively trying to tear down a person who is trying to play his heart out for you, who's trying to play his best. And you can clearly see that the fan base is tearing him down no matter what they do, and you can tell his confidence is shaken, and yet you continue to kick him while he's down. I hope that Will Howard goes out next week and proves everyone wrong, every single one of those people wrong, truly. In my heart of hearts, I think he can do it. Because we've seen a confident Will Howard. I don't want to dominate this segment, but I'm mad. I This is the only time on the podcast that I've been well and truly, not annoyed, but mad. Yeah. Um, the whole thing with Will Howard that, at least for me, was really the most annoying thing was just that there wasn't a right answer for the people that were upset. And this, at least, is from our experience in... The, uh, the student section. So I don't know what the general fan base was like at the stadium outside of the student section. All I know is, is that when we'd run the ball, there'd be people yelling about, why are we running the ball when we pass? It's like, why are we passing with Will? So it's, at some point, something has to give. And even if he's playing poorly, who else is going to come in? Because... With the way that it was going last night, if there was a better option, he he would have been on the field. And I think that's pretty obvious. Because the passing game just was not working for most of the game. And I don't know. Just, I was really disappointed. Uh, the booing of Will Howard. I mean, this isn't Philadelphia. This is Manhattan, Kansas. Like, I, you don't have to love Will Howard. You can hate. Will Howard, but when people are 
seemingly happy that he's failing. Why are you going to the games, I guess? I mean, what's the point of being a fan if you're hoping for him to fail? Because there's a reason that he's on the field, and it's because he's, he's the next best option behind Skyler. It's not Jaron Lewis. It's not Jake Rubley. It's not Max Marsh. It's Will Howard. And that's who we're going to have at least for the next few weeks. And the time is now just to step up and support him. And it may be hard. Maybe it won't be. We'll see next week, I think, what we're going to get. It's going to come down to when we have a week to institute a Will Howard game plan and not a Skylar Thompson game plan because they are two different quarterbacks. So I, I'm just imploring the fan base to give him a shot because the last thing that a young quarterback needs is a fan base that's out to get him at every turn. That's just, that's just not helpful for anybody. And it's not like we're asking much either. It's, you don't have to love Will. You don't have to make excuses for every mistake that he makes because he made inexcusable mistakes last night as well. And don't take this as us trying to say that he's infallible. No. Because, yeah, we're not saying that. He had a, like I said at the very beginning, he had an atrocious game. Yeah, he played pretty bad. Like, we'll just be straight up. But it's not about that. It's not even about, like, sugarcoating it and be like, oh, well, it's okay that he played bad. It's not okay that he played bad. It's just that when he's in there on the field, when he's trying to perform as best he can in a very, very difficult situation, that once again he steps up to and handles with grace and as much uh, wit as he can, then, I don't know, just give him a shot. And especially give him a shot with a full week of preparation. And just, I don't know, going in with a negative mindset isn't going to help anybody. I mean, if we get out there and the student section's booing him when he comes onto the field for the first time, I mean, that will just be completely depressing. Like, why go to the game just to boo the quarterback? Like, if you're going to do that, just stay on the parking lot and go to the tailgate or go to the Ville. Just... Do something else than come in there just to actively tear down the team. Yeah. It it doesn't make sense to me as a lifelong fan why you would want the team to do poorly. I mean, I've seen some pretty bad K-State quarterbacks in my life. I have very dim memory of the 2005 Allen Everidge and Allen Webb tandem. That was not very good. I remember freshman and sophomore year Josh Freeman when we weren't playing Texas being pretty bad <laughs> um I remember Carson Kaufman crazy legs uh Hubner he was not great that bazooka whole Joe. bazooka Joe yeah yeah bazooka Joe Hubner um just that whole 2015 QB situation there's been some bad quarterbacks in my lifetime never once have I ever felt the need to root against one of them or hope that they fail or and I've never actively gotten out there and booed a quarterback because football especially for a quarterback is a game of confidence I don't claim to be some like wizard of football knowledge but I do know that mental state plays a lot into this game and if we're getting out there and before the game even starts we're booing the quarterback then what are we doing? Yeah. Like we're we're dooming ourselves before we begin, and we're about to face a high-powered offense. We're gonna need the offense to be in tip-top shape, and that can't just be Deuce. We cannot just be Deuce for the entire season. 
that worked for a little while last year. And once that got figured out, we lost five games in a row. And it's working right now because we're playing non-conference teams. And we switched to the defense, and the defense has been outstanding. But just now is the time to get behind Will. And if this play continues, then we'll talk. But after about three quarters of a game, let's pump the brakes. Let's give him a shot. Let's stop the bring in Rubley chant right now because Rubley will be honest with ourselves. Be completely honest with ourselves. Are we expecting Rubley to be better? I'm not. I'm not. And what do we run the risk of if he's not better? We run the risk of ruining his confidence. Yeah, if we're already worried about Will Howard's confidence, imagine putting in somebody who the coaching staff does not think is ready comparatively to Will Howard. What will that do then? Then we've gone from, air quotes, ruining one quarterback to three quarterbacks. And what are we going to do with that? I mean, there's nothing to be done because quarterback is all about confidence at the end of the day. I mean, you can have a quarterback that knows everything that they need to. If they're not confident, their feet are going to be moving all over the place. They're not going to be able to make enough reads. It'll be a nightmare. So, I'm politely asking, just give him a shot. And if this play continues, if it gets really, really bad, not like it was last night, because believe it or not, we won the game. Yeah, we won the game. We It, it hurts. That the first thing we have to say whenever we come onto a show, a post-game show, and a game that we won, is telling certain people in the fan base, because it's not everybody, it is a very, very vocal minority of the fan base that are doing this. It is sad that the first thing we have to address is this vocal minority trying to tear down the now starting quarterback of their quote-unquote favorite team. Yeah, so... Give Howard a shot. I know that it's not a majority of people. I think most people in the fan base are reasonable. I just think the ones that expected Howard to come in and throw for 400 yards and like 10 touchdowns, those that unreasonable group of fans is a pretty, pretty small number. They're just loud is the only difference. So just support Will. Yeah. Like, like, just like give him some help from the student section. Yeah, support Will because I, Connor and I joked about it earlier. Now let's try and get a little bit lighter after that that collective black pill we just took. That cyanide tablet to the mood. It, we we were debating becoming a Will Howard Stan account for the week because I was someone who believes in Will Howard and I still do believe in Will Howard. So just reach out to Will. Maybe don't reach out to him, but just. Find some way to let him know yeah. that you are behind him. Yeah, when we say reach out, it's that's like metaphorically. Don't don't like get in his DMs. Like like give him some space. Yeah, give him some <laughs> space. But just make sure that he knows that the Wildcat fan base in all of K State is behind him. Yeah, it's it's pretty simple, really. Just be a good person. If not like, just for the team's sake, you don't like you don't have to like Will Howard. I do. I think he's yeah. a good person. Yeah. But for the sake of the team, just support him. Yeah, and just like I don't know, the Will Howard we saw at the open practices looked really good. He looked confident. We saw Will Howard get thrown into a very dicey situation, and he lost his confidence quickly. So if we can get the ball rolling, 
easily against Nevada. And we, I don't know, just as a fan base, not even, you don't even have to, like, like whenever he's on the field, just be cheering, you know, like, like oh, let's go, Will. Like, if he's throwing, like, four picks, like, okay, like, you don't have to do that. It's just, you know, just don't go out of your way to chant to bring in the other quarterback. Because the other times that I remember this happening have been in years where the quarterback situation has been absolutely atrocious and it's never gotten better. Like, I think it happened in 2018 when Dalton and Thompson were going back and forth and we went 5-7 and seven that year. It happened in 2015, I believe, and we went 6-6 six and six barely and got smacked in a bowl game. I mean, when the fan base is just chanting for somebody else than is on the field. The coaching staff knows best. They know better than we do. And chanting something else, all that does is hurt the confidence of the guy on the field. And then it also is uh, hurting people off the field as well on the sideline. Just, I don't know. I'm talking in circles right now, but basically just be, be good fans. Yeah. Like, be supportive, cheer when we do well, you know, and at the end of the day, it's just a game, no reason to tear down a very young quarterback just because he had one bad game. And and that, this isn't a new season, so, like, try and forget Old Will. And if Old Will is still around, then we'll talk. But for now, clean slate, clean slate. So just, I don't know, give him a shot. Because the Will Howitzer is coming in either way. And I, for one, am embracing the Will Howitzer. I am ready. So, with that out of the way, let's get into the general game day recap. We already talked about the quarterback situation, but there are a lot of other stats that we can go into. Such as the success on the ground today. Mostly led by, guess who? It was Deuce. (laughs) Who could have seen this coming? That the best running back in the Big Twelve would have an excellent day. I'm I'm just shocked personally. Yeah, Deuce Vaughn ended up with was 126 rushing um, yards. I think it was 120. Um, I will check really quick. It was 120. Okay, so he ended up with 126 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. Will Howard got himself a rushing touchdown. So we ended up with four rushing touchdowns on the day. Still have yet to throw a passing touchdown. But the rushing offense was overall pretty good today. In fact, it was excellent today. We even had contributions from Jacardier Wright, Joe Irvin, and someone's favorite in Jacksonine got himself a carry the as well. Seawolf. Seawolf got himself a carry and a catch. Yeah, he had a, a short catch as well. Back-to-back yeah. plays too. Yeah, he had back-to-back plays, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, that was, this was the extent of his contribution in terms of stats, but... He's number one in our hearts. He's number so. one in our hearts. No, Stubby's number one in our hearts. Okay, that's where he's also number one on the field. So. Yeah. <laughs> so it works out. But the thing that everyone is going to talk about is, and rightfully so, is the ridiculous performance of the K-State defense. Now, you look at the score. It was 26-23. Uh, it was uh, thirty no thirty one to twenty three thirty one twenty three yeah thirty one twenty three sorry I got locked in on that score uh, the twenty three was scored within rapid succession of one another right after Skyler Thompson went down 
where literally everyone in the stadium was emotionally affected except for Southern Illinois. Yeah. Um, I think that people maybe, at least in the moment, didn't really consider this. I know that I didn't because I also was emotionally shocked. So it was just absolute depression in the student section, which, you know, fair. But, yeah, they scored all of their points in the second quarter in between Skyler getting hurt and the uh, the end of the half. So they scored um, pretty much all their points in about a 12-ish minute window. So beyond that amount of time, and granted one of those touchdowns was uh, non-offensive. That was a pick six. And so the defense... Played really, really well, actually, outside of um, what ended up being... Actually, for the points given up by the defense, that was about a 10-minute window. And this was right after Skyler had gotten hurt, and the air sucked out. If you were there, you know the air sucked out of the stadium. Everything just shut down for a while. And I know that it's going to be like, oh, you know, move on, move on, move on, move on, stuff like that. Easier said than done. It's a lot easier said than done, uh, especially... Uh, with Skyler, who's so clearly the heart and soul of the offense. The game plan was drawn up with Skyler as the uh, uh, the quarterback. And unfortunately, Skyler and Will are two different quarterbacks. Very different quarterbacks. So, you know, they had to, they had to adjust. And granted, I think it was a little slow. I think that they should have adjusted more quickly. But with that being said... They did eventually adjust, but the defense, nonetheless, they held their own for a majority of the game, and I was really impressed with their performance overall. Absolutely. We ended up with, what, nine total sacks? It was... I don't know if it was that many. Um, We got quite a few sacks. It was five. Five sacks? Yep. Well, six if you don't count the... If you get the two-man rush with the... Yeah. That was called back. And seven, if you count the, what was it, offsides. There was um, another penalty where King Felix, who had himself one hell of a game, got a strip sack. Was that the same play on the two-man rush? No. Okay. Wait. Um, no, actually, no, that was the same play. Okay. Yeah, and it was literally just Felix and Robert Hentz rushing and nobody else, and... The, it was called back. The play didn't count for legal substitution, but that was a strip sack as well. Literally two defensive linemen going up against five offensive linemen, and they got through like really fast. I'm not sure how that happened. It was such a it was a really strange play. Yeah, it was really impressive, regardless of it not counting. Yeah. So defense had a great day. Rushing offense had a great day. So now let's go into the game day grades where we go through every single position group, tight end and fullback being grouped together, as well as the coordinators, and give them a grade from A-plus to F. A-plus meaning they literally won the game, and F meaning they very nearly lost us or did lose us the game. And here is where my comments about Will Howard not having a good game come to fruition. Because I don't think that there is any real way even if you take into account Skyler's contribution, I don't think there's any way that the quarterbacks get any more than an F this week. And even with Skyler's contribution, 
you got to remember, Skyler had one of the worst interceptions that I've seen from him of the past few years whenever he threw the ball directly to a middle field safety on a route where Phillip Brooks was busting open for an easy touchdown. Yep. And it just... There was, there was no quarterback that played today for K-State, whether it be Will Howard or Skyler Thompson, that had an exceptional day. So it is with a heavy heart that I give the quarterbacks an F, but this is not an F that I say, okay, well, it's broken, start over again. This is an F because it was an unfortunate situation for the person who came in, and the person who was there only had four opportunities, and two of them were good, but one of them was really, really bad. And it's unfortunate, but I don't believe that this will be a consistent thing. Yeah, um, I also gave a pretty poor grade to quarterbacks. I gave them a D minus, not an F, for the sole reason being that before Skyler got hurt, he had a, a really good throw to Malik, and then another that was an okay throw that just went for a lot of yards, and but then Skyler, like you said, he had a really really bad interception um, to Philip Brooks. Brooks was streaking open, and it could have been a touchdown pass. Uh, but he rushed the throw a little bit and threw it behind him, unfortunately, and that was intercepted. This was one play after the unbelievable interception by Jalen Pickle. Yeah, um, which everyone forgot happened this game because of how much how much pain was had. Yeah, this was one of the worst wins I've ever seen. And uh, then Will came in, and he had, like, contrary to popular belief, he had a few good moments. He had a really nice throw to Landry Weber to convert a third and long. Uh, he did the same thing in the second half with uh, Philip Brooks. And uh, he had a rushing touchdown as well. So Will did have redeemable moments. He just had a lot of obvious errors. Like the throw that probably should have been intercepted by a linebacker. He rushed the pass and uh, the linebacker, uh, he bailed on a blitz and Will didn't see him, and it's an easy way to confuse a young quarterback, and uh, it was thrown right into the linebacker's chest, but luckily the linebackers didn't notice it until it was a little too late. Um, then uh, he also, he had the overthrow to Tyrone Howell that was picked off by a safety that was just in the right spot at the right time, very similar to, to Oklahoma it. State. I was thinking of the Rusty East interception last week against Stanford. Okay, well that's more recent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, uh, although, like, it is actually very similar to that. And, uh, it was, yes, a day filled with errors by, uh, the K-State quarterback room, but there were still a few bright spots. It was enough for me to see a light, albeit a faint light, at the end of the tunnel. And don't take this as us, like, like, negating our previous points. Like, we're not saying don't criticize Will. We're saying don't be a dick. That's basically the gist of it, is criticism is welcome, a constructive criticism, and being disgruntled is welcome, but it's just not constructive at all to just say the first thing that comes to your mind and have it make no sense. And also, just not giving people options to get any better as well. That's that's not acceptable criticism because it's useless. Like. 
You if like just don't say anything. Like if the best that you can say is when we're passing the ball, you say don't pass it, and when we're running the ball, you say don't run it. Like that's like I'm sorry, that's just what's stupid. wrong with you? Like, Why are you the way you are? Like, there are there are two options on offense, and if you're complaining about it, I don't get it. Also, the person in the student section that blamed Will Howard when Deuce fumbled the ball. I'm sorry, you're just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you. And I, I think that's something that we can all agree on, is Deuce fumbling the ball is not Will Howard's fault. I don't care what you say. <laughs> absolutely no universe in which that is his fault. We're going to get off that subject right now yeah. and move into the running back's room, which gets, for me, an A-. And the only reason it is an A- and not an A is because of that fumble. And Deuce knew it. There's no reason to dwell on it. It's the first time he's fumbled since sophomore year of high school. So there's been four years between fumbles. Let's hope it's four more years between the next one. And it, other than that, the rushing attack had a very good day, like I said earlier. So running backs get an A-. minus, And it's not just Deuce that gets the A-, minus, because otherwise I would have just said Deuce. Joe Irvin and Jacardier Wright both made contributions on the ground, including Joe Irvin towards the very end of the game, who had this ridiculous run where he ran through two people and then jumped over another one and then gained four more yards. Yeah, that was an unbelievable run by Joe Irvin. That was so crucial in helping K-State move down the field and get that final touchdown to seal the game. Um, but I'll get to my grade on running backs. I give them an A, which is a straight-up A. Very similar reasons. Deuce was a deuce. He had three touchdowns, 120 yards. Uh, nothing much else to add there. He was excellent. Um, Joe Irvin, like you said, he had that awesome run, uh, ran through a few people, and then jumped over someone while getting tackled, and then just kept going. And I don't know, I've been a big Joe Irvin believer. I've been beating that drum for a while now. And uh, it was nice that he had a solid game. I was happy to see it. He had eight carries for 47 yards. And Jacardier Wright, he, he was Jacardier Wright, and he had – Three carries for 24 yards, and he was good. And he also, I don't know, he was just was he was efficient. Uh, that's all I can really say about that. And then Jackson had his one carry for two yards, although that's more for a fullback grade. That's full I, I got ahead of myself. I was really excited to see his name on the stat sheet. It's okay, Connor. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, running backs get an A from me. Yeah. And then I think this is the first group that actually, in my grades, went up. A grade from last week, at least on the offensive side of the ball. And that is wide receivers who are going up to AC. And it's not only because Malik Knowles had his contribution of a 100-plus yard receiving day. It's also because just about every wide receiver, I think, showed marked improvement in their route running. You know, Landry Weber had a crucial catch. Phillip Brooks had a crucial catch. All of those were, granted, Phillip Brooks was just finding a soft spot and then getting thrown into it. But Landry ran a pretty decent route on the outside to make that crucial catch on that, uh, was it third down? It was at least third and 10. It may have been third and 12. I think it was third and 12 or 13. Yeah, it, but, was, it, was, a, it was a very good play. Yeah. So, and the reason they don't get a C, I mean, they don't get above a C, is because the passing game in general did not do a whole lot. Yeah. And... That does not mean that I think that the wide receiver room is a C grade anymore. Last week, I may have thought that. But now I'm thinking that this is a group of receivers who are certainly better than last year's and are ready to make meaningful contributions in the passing game. Yeah. 
I gave a C- to the receivers as well. Um, I thought that they were uh, okay for parts of the game yesterday, especially early on. Malik, he had four catches for 112 yards, uh, one of his better games in recent memory. Uh, no touchdowns, unfortunately. Uh, Keenan Garber finally made his way onto the stat sheet. He had one catch for five yards. Phillip Brooks had a, a clutch catch in the uh, fourth quarter. And then Landry Weber, he also had a very nice catch to uh, give us a first down. But they still they have a lot of work to do while they were running more crisp routes and they uh, had better hands um, today. They still they have a ways to go. Uh, and this is a receiver core that's going to need to work a lot harder and play uh, beyond their abilities for uh, the foreseeable future until Will Howard gets much more comfortable in the offense because they are not an elite group at all. They're, I think they're a solid group, especially Malik Knowles, but they are, they're going to have to do a lot of work. They cannot afford drops. They need to run crisper outs and need to get themselves very open, at least for the next few weeks, to help out Will, because at the end of the day, we cannot be a completely one-dimensional team. Yeah. So. Or prove themselves in the ability with the contested catch. So. Yep. I think that that one video with the the back shoulder fade to Tyrone Howell, I think that is a rapport that we. I'm going to call my shot here. I think that's going to be a rapport that we might want to get used to seeing Will Howard to Tyrone Howell. Yeah, because yeah, Howard is the quarterback in that video, uh, throwing the back shoulder fade to Tyrone Howell, and Howard did uh, target uh, Tyrone Howell a few times. Unfortunately, one of those was an overthrow for an interception, but that's a for- that's a footwork issue that can be fixed with film and practice. So hopefully, going forward, we see some uh, improved footwork there. Not to get back into the quarterback grades. Yeah. So now let's move into the tight ends and fullbacks room. I think the fullbacks are the only group of people to record a stat in this category. Yep. But they did decent enough to get a C for me, especially with Nick Leonard's blocking and Daniel Matsuwebebe being an underrated blocker as well. Both did well enough jobs in sealing the edge on certain runs and maybe lead blocking on a few other runs. And they did a solid job overall, not enough to earn them above a C grade especially with how under center running was going for quite a while. But they still earn a C grade average. Yeah, I gave them a B minus just because uh, Deneen, he had a few, he had a nice run. He had a good catch. I didn't go for a lot of yards, but I don't know. I always like seeing Deneen get the ball. <laughs> uh, um, redshirt freshman or maybe redshirt sophomore, Christian Moore. Uh, he's a third-string fullback. He came in and was a lead blocker oh, for... Cro-Magnon. Yeah, for a deuce touchdown. Mason Barta, I think, was in on that play as well. And uh, so it was nice to see another face. Uh, a match with Bebe. Um, I think an underrated portion of his game today was uh, clearing out the um, middle parts of the field and then getting downfield with his route to start blocking for a run-after catch. Unfortunately, we didn't have to use that too much, but he was still accomplishing that task. Uh, Sammy Wheeler had some nice blocking. Uh, He had a very nice block on the edge to uh, allow for the final touchdown for Deuce Vaughn. Uh, They didn't do 
a lot incredible. It didn't do much to pop up on the stat sheet, but they didn't really do anything wrong. So, at least for this game, that's good enough for a B-, minus. Yeah. From, especially from this offense. So. Yep. Then we move into the O-line, which I think is the group that showed the most regression from last week. And it's mostly from two people. Um, Cooper Beebe is still nails. He, Cooper Beebe is still probably the best player on the offense. Yep. Um, Christian Duffy actually improved minus, minus, minus one, minus one play. play. There's <laughs> one very specific play. I'm not going to be able to find it right now, but I think it was in the fourth quarter, if it I'm was. not wrong. There was this play where Christian Duffy... I, it wasn't like he tripped on his shoe. It wasn't like he got bumped into. It wasn't like he ran into somebody. He just kind of fell in pass protection. He hadn't made contact with the defensive end yet. It actually worked. Chiefs won, by the way. Oh, Chiefs won. Um, You've taken a foolish early lead. Yeah, you yeah, must now pay the Patrick yeah, price. Yeah, dating and timing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Duffy, he just... He actually did improve, like... Jokes aside, but yeah, that play was really funny. He just fell, and it worked because the defensive end was confused for just a split second. And I think that was enough time for Howard to get a pass off to... I forget who. It might have been Knowles. Uh, I think this was actually the play where he threw it to Brooks. Oh, you might be right. No, you are right. The, the play where uh, Howard got the ball to uh, Brooks. Uh, yeah, just... Look at look at Christian Duffy on that play, especially especially on the replay on the ESPN Plus broadcast. You get a really good angle. I don't want to laugh at him, but it's yeah. really funny. Yeah, that was weird. Very strange. Did you finish your takes on the little line? No, uh, it's just the the one person that comes to my mind that did not have a good game by any stretch of the imagination is Noah Johnson. Noah Johnson gave up a sack that. People were yelling at Will Howard over, which I, I guess it's just becoming tradition at this point, where he gets... There, there's getting beat, and then there's getting ass-blasted. Noah Johnson got his ass blasted by this defensive tackle and gave up a sack that Will Howard got absolutely detonated in the pocket and fumbled the ball. And no, that's not the only reason they get a C+. Plus. It's because sometimes their run blocking was inconsistent, as well as pass blocking being generally very good, but with a few critical errors. That's why they get a C plus. But at least for me. But that one play was so just absolutely ruinous to that to the, to the game in general. Because before then, Will Howard, even though he'd thrown his pick at that point, he still looked like he was in control of himself. Right. But after that play, oh no, the wheels fell off. That's when you really saw the footwork uh, trend downward. Um, you, you saw him go from stepping into throws confidently and pointing his feet in the right direction to uh, just be hopping everywhere. His drop back was inconsistent. He wasn't pointing his feet in the right direction. Um, he was double clutching. Yeah, a fadeaway jumper. Yeah, and it was, you know, and the, uh, it's kind of been a common criticism of Noah Johnson, uh, is that outside of his blocking when he pulls uh, off the line to go lead block on the outside, which he's excellent 
at lead blocking on the outside. Um, beyond that, he's really struggled in some passes, especially pass protection one-on-one. And yeah, he was directly responsible for a turnover, I would say. I would not put too much of the blame on Howard. Yes, he did fumble the ball, but when you look at the play, like when you look at the replay angle, he's looking at the complete... He's not looking at Noah Johnson at all because, I mean, what quarterback's going to be watching their pass protection for any significant amount of time, at least. At least like, two seconds into the yeah, play. Yeah, especially not... that soon into the play because Johnson may have had maybe a quarter of a second block before he got beaten. I mean, it was, it was one of the faster... Like, like swim moves to get past an offensive lineman that I've seen in a while. It was just, it was an exceptionally bad play that really stood out. And and that's not to say Noah Johnson didn't have any good moments in this game because he did. He had several good lead blocks to um, um crack open some solid runs for Deuce. But I, I gave him a C plus by the way. I, I haven't mentioned that yet. Um, hey, matching grades. Twins. Yep, matching grades. High five. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a crucial. Screw up by uh, Noah Johnson. He has to do better from that. And he was really frustrated on the sideline after. I mean, we don't need to tell him that he screwed up on that play. He he knows he knows very well that uh, he's got to do better than that, especially full Howard in the backfield. Um, he, you know, the offensive line, just inconsistency. Revis was all right, not as, ex- not as spectacular as he was. Again, Stanford, BB was good as always. Duffy was better. Adler was okay. Um, that was basically how it went. Um, just inconsistency. They weren't terrible. They most of the time weren't great. That's just how it went. Yep. So we've been mixed on the offense. Yep. Yeah. So the only mixing of opinions that there will be on terms of the defensive side of the ball will be exactly how great they were. There is no there is no group that played poorly on the defense. None. I don't think there's a single player who played poorly on the defense. And that's saying a lot. Because there are a few players who are made names for themselves. Yeah, there's yeah, there's one man specifically that gets called out quite a bit. And he had some pretty good plays this game. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, he's kind of the Will Howard of the defense. But anyway, so maybe they need to stop bullying him so bad because, you know, he's trying his best. But anyway... It's it's just a question of how great were were the groups on defense, and let's just get right into it. Connor and I, you and I, you and I have the same grade for the defensive line. It's an A plus. There's no way around A+. it. A plus. They were excellent. Uh, you you can talk first. Yeah. So I, <laughs> you had the ridiculous interception by Jalen Pickle. You had Timmy Horn disrupting the pocket. You had Felix and DK destroying the entire game plan every single time that they passed, coming in with three sacks and two forced fumbles. You had Khalid Duke coming in screaming off the edge. You had Nate Matlack showing him that he's getting even better than he already was with his technique. And he was one of the best technical defensive linemen at the open practice. He's getting even better. You had Robert Hens who made a couple of key contributions. Every single person who played on the defensive line had at least two or three really good moments. And I can't think of any particularly bad ones, except for maybe that one wildcat play to where 
was it Huggins and Enadike had the ball carrier dead to rights and he just bounced off on the goal line? I think it was uh, Enadike, um, Nick Allen, and I think Khalid Duke may have been involved in that slightly as well. They they had the hole uh, plugged. They just kind of let him get past. That was the only negative play and even then they were reaching through blocks to stop him so the fact that they stopped him at all is pretty uh insane but yeah i'm gonna put that more on maybe nick allen for not properly uh filling the gap uh he went a little bit too far inside um but nevertheless that did give up a touchdown unfortunately but yeah a plus grade for me as well. Felix NUDK was unbelievable. Even when he wasn't getting sacks, he was just overpowering people. He lined up at nose tackle a few times and blew up the center. And he's only 255 pounds and six foot three. He's no Timmy Horn, but he just showed off sheer power. Played like it. Yeah. Damn. There's a reason that they were calling him King Felix in the offseason. And yesterday we were shown that for the first time. Felix NUDK, Uzoma. He was awesome. He forced two fumbles, and he technically forced three fumbles with another sack, but that play was uh, wiped away by an illegal substitution penalty on the Cats, so he could have had more. He broke through on a two-man rush. Yeah, on a two-man rush, literally just him and Robert Hentz going up against five offensive linemen and the tight ends. He still managed to get to the quarterback. Felix Ndike had one of the best performances for a K-State defensive lineman in recent memory. I I don't even know who to compare it to. And this is what we can expect from Ndike going forward. I'm so optimistic about his future. He has NFL potential. Fun if fact. This sticks up. Fun fact. Wyatt Hubert never had a three-sack game at K-State. That actually kind of makes sense. Now <laughs> <laughs> I think about it. Yeah, but... Everyone on the defensive line was so freaking good. Yeah. And it makes me, seeing the pass rush, I'm laughing because I'm, I'm really excited to see them going up against Carson Strong and the Nevada offensive line. Carson Strong is a tree. He cannot move. Or like, he, well, he can move, but he's just not very fast. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I'll go and say, I guess, a few more defensive linemen. Khalid Duke, he had a sack. And two tackles. He was exactly what we needed. He had a big time uh, um, quarterback sack, and uh, exactly when we needed it. I think it was right at the end of the first half to knock Southern Illinois out of field goal range. He just has a knack for getting clutch sacks in the exact time that we need it. When you when we need a sack, we can count on Khalid Duke, uh, Timmy Horn. He once again. Uh, didn't really show up on the stat sheet. He once again only had one total tackle for the whole game, but that does not even begin to quantify the impact he had on the game. He was outstanding. He's just a space eater in the middle of that D-line. Jalen Pickle, he had the highlight interception play, the the dream play for any <laughs> big guy that's ever played college football, a.k.a. me, a.k.a. Ace. A.k.a. Like, any, any defensive lineman in history. No matter the level. Yep. Just, um, that's the dream. Then uh, Huggins, he played solid. He unfortunately was injured for a while, but he was still good. Boom Massey, he uh, he had a big tackle for loss as well in a third down. Um, Robert Hentz was good as well. He also got great penetration on that illegal substitution play where Andy DK had the strip sack. 
I mean, there's not a single person on the D-line that's had a bad performance this year. And then Nate Matlick, like you mentioned, he didn't show up on the stat sheet. Uh, he had no tackles, but especially late in the game, he was getting penetration and pressuring the quarterback almost every single play, mm-hmm. just like Felix DK was. And that goes to show the philosophy of rotating on the K-State defensive line. Is that That's how it's... It's just so potent late in the game because the offensive line was just not able to keep up with the conditioning and the freshness of K-State's offensive line. Yeah. So I can see the time here, so let's kind of hurry these next two up. Don't want to have it be over an hour. So linebacker, I feel like, is the weakest room, and I'm going to take the same stance as you because you and I have talked about this before. They get an overall grade of B, B-plus with Daniel Green, B-minus without because there were a couple of lapses in coverage and a couple of times that the quarterback was able to break contain when he really should not have been able to with uh, linebackers that we had either in the area or directly playing a spiral. But just something to note, the linebacker room with and without Daniel Green on the field is very, very different. And that's no disrespect to the other linebackers because Cody Fletcher has blown us away he has been one of the surprises of the season so far just how good he has been i mean i didn't expect him to be bad but he's been much better than i thought he would be so we don't we share linebacker grade yeah basically the same thing uh daniel green was excellent in the second half after he served his one half suspension for targeting he was a crucial part of the defense and just one half had four tackles cody fletcher had five in the entire game that's not saying that Fletcher was bad. It's just saying that Green was really effective. He also yeah. had one play where he got in the passing lane. He, man, jumped. He floated. He truly Daniel Green's an unbelievable athlete. Yeah, and Fletcher had a key TFL. I forget at what point in the game it was, but I do remember it being very important. It was the, uh, he was spying the quarterback, and he just started scrambling out. It was on, a, I think, a QB draw. Right, 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 right. I forgot about that. And then Austin Moore and McGowan, they were both serviceable in their time played. So, all around, solid performance for the linebacker core. Then we get into the defensive backs room, which I gave a B-plus for the exclusive reason of there were just a few plays on RPOs that maybe you get yourself into a better position to defend. And this is probably the grade that it would be easiest to talk me out of. I could very easily see a world where people give them an A or an A-, minus, not an A-plus. But... They had themselves a very solid game. Julius Brents is still as good as advertised. Echo, I think, only gave up one catch, and that's not really his fault because he was playing an underneath zone, and he handed it off just at the wrong time. Uh, Stubby. (laughs) Stubby was trying to bait interceptions really bad, then blitzed once, and then got... (laughs) It was kind of hilarious. Like, I, I know we're not supposed to, like, laugh at, like, the team, but like I don't care because Stubby, Stubby really played funny. really because yeah, Stubby played really well and like the defense was really good, so it's not like kicking him while they're down. Yeah, he, Stubblefield like he like rushed the quarterback and like tried to jump in the air to block a passing lane, and the offensive lineman in front of him just shoved him down. And <laughs> he just stood <laughs> up, looked confused, and then shoved him down. Yeah. Which credit to Stubby, he immediately got back up. Yep. So. Stubby has the the heart of a lion and an unbelievable motor. He is so much fun to watch. I am so happy that we were able to get him at the end of the day. Absolutely. At first, it was just a meme because of how hilarious his recruiting story was. No, he's actually but no, he's good, he's guys. actually good. 
I was very surprised uh, in the first game, and that performance carried over today. So I'm glad we got him. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't hear your grade. Oh yeah, I gave an A minus on my grades. Um, pass breakups. Uh, Julius Brents had one. T.J. Smith had one. And Rusty East, he didn't have any tackles, but he had the pass breakup. Then the guy that we were talking about earlier, the guy that actually had a good game in the secondary that a lot of people uh, like to pile on, uh, Ross Elder. He had a very uh, key pass breakup late in the game and uh, didn't really have any plays where he got exposed today. Uh, I don't think so, at least. There was one play where he kind of got posterized because he got hurtled, but... Oh, that was him? Yes. Oh, I should have guessed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Ross Elder had himself a pretty decent game in his own right. Yeah. Yeah, he was good. Uh, McPherson, he was good. The one bad play he had was uh, the uh, horrible face mask, like the most obvious, yeah, the most obvious face mask ever. But the very next play, he followed it up by going on those safety blitz, and he uh, got a sack. Uh, part of K State's lethal pass rush. Yeah, Stubby was awesome. Uh, played really good coverage. Echo continues to be Echo Island. Julius played good coverage as well. Just I don't know. Secondary continues to impress. Yep. Now I get into coordinator grades. And uh, let's start with the offensive coordinator. There's no way I can give Messingham anything but a D. I, because even though Will Howard did not have himself a good game, there was such a failure to properly game plan around what he's good at. Because Will Howard is pretty good horizontally. He was decent enough last year off of bootlegs. He's very good if you just show him what's in front of him, don't expect too much of him, and just ask him to take what he can where he can. And Messingham, in the first half, whenever that happened, he tried to stretch Will Howard vertically a bit too much, and I'm thinking of specifically that overthrow to Tyrone Howell, And then in the second half, it felt like he just completely lost confidence in him. And I can only imagine that that did not make Will Howard feel better, did not make people in the stands feel better, probably didn't make anyone feel better at all. I don't even think the people that benefited from it felt better. So there's, and his general play calling outside of the few snaps that Skyler got were at best pedestrian, and at worst actively detrimental. So I don't feel like Messingham deserves... I don't feel like he deserves as much crap as he gets in the fan base, including from people like me, because I will admit I'm not the biggest Messingham fan. But this is a game where you have to look at him with a lot of scrutiny. Yeah, I gave Messingham a D plus for this game. Uh, the game plan with Skyler was excellent. The offense was rolling. Uh, even this pick that Skyler threw, that was a good call. And uh, it worked. It's just that Skyler missed the throw. But up until uh, the injury, uh, things were going pretty well, swimmingly. Um, but then, yeah, he just didn't really handle the Howard injury well. Because first, he didn't change the game plan at all and didn't play to Howard's strengths as a passer. He basically played directly into his weaknesses as a passer. And... It just, uh, just was destined to fail from the beginning. So, Will Howard really struggled there. And then in the second half, uh, he basically did the exact opposite and just took his throwing off the table completely. 
and then when we were throwing, it was third and longs. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a quarterback that you've displayed that you don't have confidence in. And that's just a no-win situation. So Messingham did not have a good game. I thought he called a pretty good game against Stanford, but this was pretty disappointing uh, follow-up performance. Although, at the very least, he did stick with the running game when it was working. He figured out that it, they just couldn't stop it, really. Yeah. And he rolled with that, and he kind of figured it out towards the end of the game. That final drive, he did a pretty good job, I think. But it took him a little too long to adjust, which I think is one of the most common criticisms of Messingham, is that he just takes a little too long to figure things out sometimes. Yeah. So, complete opposite in this spectrum is Joe Kleinerman. Joe Kleinerman called a hell of a game. He gets an A from me. Yep. And I, I don't know what else to say other than I don't think that there's been a single situation that he's called this entire year where I look at it and I say, well, he put the defense in a bad position here. Every time that he's made a call, I can at least understand where he's coming from, even if it doesn't work 100% of the time. And it just so happens that most of the time, he's just very right. Yeah. Uh, I also gave Klanerman an A. Um, apparently him coming down from the press box to field level to, as he puts it, get a better feel of the game, uh, apparently that worked really well. Because the defense has just been nails so far, especially the defensive play calling. I mean, they've given the defense has given up seven and sixteen points, and that sixteen with a pretty sizable asterisk because mm-hmm. they were put in some tough spots after some failings by the offense. And Clanderman, uh, he was excellent yet again. His unit was so good; they played clutch when they needed to. His pass rush is impeccable. I have no complaints with Joe Clanderman thus far. Um, the only way he could have gotten an eight, or the only way he could have gotten a higher grade is if Southern Illinois didn't break twenty, I guess. Like, but man, the defense was so good yeah. uh, yet again, and we also now have seen uh, that Stanford they just dropped forty-two points on um, U- fourteen. <laughs> yeah, USC was ranked fourteenth, and Stanford played them and dropped forty-two points on them. So, that was not Sanford's offense being bad. That was K-State's defense being very good. And granted, we threw a new look at them, but seven points in the entire game. I mean, clearly the something was... The only time they scored was garbage time. Yeah. And that was after Daniel Green got ejected as well. And so, Klanderman, he's he's clearly got something figured out with this unit. And I'm looking forward to watching them going forward. Yeah. So, we've pretty much gone over the takeaways that we were going to have in the very beginning. Yep. So now let's just move into offensive and defensive MVPs. Offense is obvious. It's Deuce. It's Deuce. Defense, you could make an argument for some people, but I don't think there's a stronger argument to be made for anyone except for King Felix. Yeah, I think I think yeah, I think defense is also obvious. It's it's definitely Felix. Uh the young defensive end Got three sacks, two forced fumbles, and then two additional tackles. I mean, what else do you say than than that? I mean, he was one of the differences in the game going uh, down the stretch. And then that's even the three sacks. That's without the one play that was nullified due to the uh, illegal substitution. So, I mean, he Felix had an unbelievable game. There's no 
if he answered butts about it. Yeah. So that pretty well wraps up our thoughts on Southern Illinois. And just for closing notes, once again, next week we play Nevada. Support the team. They're going to need all the help they can get. Not because they're bad, but because we as fans have an obligation to, if we are indeed fans, help them out in any single way that we can. Yep. I totally agree. Uh, Nevada, they're a quality team. Uh, the AP poll uh, just released. K-State, I believe they're ranked 33rd. They're, it's a rank. The next week is a matchup between rank number 33 and 34. K-State's yes. 34. 33. Yeah, that's what I was getting at there. So, yeah, it's going to be a it's gonna be a good game. Uh, a lot of it's gonna be basically Nevada's unstoppable force, which is their pass attack and going against an immovable object, which is K State's defense. So I imagine they'll put up some points, they'll put up some yards. Um, but their run defense is uh, pretty porous. So yet yet again another we love that word. We love that word for run defenses that I, I mean, run defenses that suck basically. Yeah. Um. So K State should be able to put up points as well. Uh, with a properly schemed game, which I do trust Messingham to uh, um, attack a game well with enough preparation, especially early in the game. So uh, I'm looking forward to the next game. And uh, fans, we're not we're not calling most of you out. It's just a few, a few. Please, I, please do not misunderstand me. We're not probably should have said this before an hour yeah. in the episode, huh? But yeah, if you if you think if you're wondering at all if it was you, if you're taking the time to even think about it, it's probably not you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, if, you if you're thinking about it, it's not you. But well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Our merch store will be releasing very soon. Very soon. We are in the final stages of design at this particular moment. Yeah. And we are we're we're very, very close. Very, very close. In fact, Maybe even after this episode drops, or uh, we may wait for the next episode just to keep people waiting a bit longer. We will see. It's, uh, as a certain Scoopmeister put it, it's imminent. <laughs> if you want to follow us on social media, we are at Aggieville A Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. That's where we will be releasing the tweet with the link to our new merch store, which has a lot of stuff which I feel people will like, including the now officially named original Alley Cat t-shirt, which I made the executive decision, will now be available until October 1st. So if you want to prove that you are an official original Alley Cat, be sure to pick up that shirt before October 1st. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00 on Twitter alongside. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C and capital B. But most importantly, Thank you all for listening to this edition of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.